Three times a week, The Right Time with Bomani Jones podcast brings you the latest from technology, music, and the very best analysis of the games. Plus, they've got a community of friends, including Dominic Foxworth for Foxworth Fridays. That's The Right Time with Bomani Jones, Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Listen, wherever you get your podcasts. And Monday and Wednesday are also available on ESPN's YouTube channel. Hello and welcome to the Hoop Collective podcast. We talk about the NBA, which we're doing on Monday morning. Joining me from Austin, Texas is Kurt Goldsberry, the professor. Hello, Kurt. What is up, Ryan? Good to see you today. Because of a mistake that I, uh, my own, you know, I flubbed something, which is known to happen. Uh, we're supposed to have Dave McMenamin on, but I totally flubbed it. And uh, so it's just going to be me and you uh, for this one. I'm sorry, America. But we'll get Dave, through this together. Dave will join us in spirit. Um, so I wanted to talk about the two hottest teams in the NBA, although one of them is playing tonight, and I will almost certainly jinx them, as I've been known to do on this podcast. But uh, that's right now the Phoenix Suns who beat the Spurs in a tight one Sunday night to win their 10th consecutive game. 10 straight for the Phoenix Suns. And the other is the Atlanta Hawks who are playing the Raptors on Monday night. The Hawks are undefeated 7-0 since they traded Cam Resch and uh, have gotten themselves back into position in the, um, in the Eastern uh, Conference, at least more in position in the Eastern Conference. Um, and they're going for eight in a row. They beat the Lakers on Sunday. They're going on a big fourth-quarter comeback. They're going for eight in a row against the Raptors. And these two teams actually play each other uh, later this week. Um, so Kirk, I thought we would talk a little bit about the Suns. You know, they have been um low-key spectacular all season. Um, they are they have the best record in the league, even though the Warriors have started playing better again after a little slump. Um, the Warriors can't make up any ground on them. They've uh the Warriors have won five in a row and picked up no ground. The Suns are 40 and nine. 40 and nine. Um they have a three and a half game lead, uh, you know, four games in the loss column on the way on the blade on the uh, Warriors for the uh, best record. And they're way, way ahead of the heat for the best record in these. They got a nine game lead over there. Uh, um, they continue to be awesome in the clutch. They did it again on Sunday. It was a tie game with two minutes to go and they scored eight straight points and put it away. Um, what have you seen about this Suns team that continues to impress for all the talk about all these other teams? They were in the finals last year. They look like a, a strong candidate to get right back. Yeah. The, the things I've seen, Brian, are, are the things you're seeing. Number one is consistency throughout the season. Even the Warriors is as impressive as they've been. They've had some bumps along the road. Um, and then the other thing is just the diversity of excellence on the court with the Phoenix Suns. So you put those two things together, they've been rock solid throughout the calendar this year and rock solid on both ends of the court this year. You pointed it out. They're 49. That's a pretty impressive record. Also, yeah. shout out to the 73 and nine Warriors. I was thinking about that today because that, that <laughs> right. nine loss mark, it's remarkable. Uh, so all due respect to, to the Golden State Warriors, but I think the Phoenix Suns are the best team in the NBA. They have a top five offense and a top five defense. They haven't had a slump all year. Uh, they went 16 and 0 in November uh, and just went 13 and 1 in January. 13 and 1 would be the best month for almost any team in any year. 
but that's their second best month. So like I said, they've been, they've been here all year. They've been a problem. And credit to Chris Paul, Monty Williams, and James Jones. I think that's a very solid core leadership group uh, that has this team just firing on all cylinders, Brian. Yeah, James Jones last week got a contract extension. Uh, Mark Spears broke that story. And last night, um, Monty Williams became the uh, Western, I guess it's Team LeBron. It shouldn't be, shouldn't say West. The Team LeBron coach <laughs> for the All-Star. And he gave a, a speech after the game. Uh, the the uh, Suns put it out on their uh, Twitter feed. He uh, spoke to the team after the game. And, um, you know, I think it was I think it was Chris Paul basically brought it up. Hey, um, uh, you know, congrats to coach for getting All-Star. And um, I, you know, I think Chris Paul and Devin Booker will be there when it's all said and done. Um, and he Monty called out his whole staff. Uh, into the come into the huddle to talk about what they've done. And he really talked about trying to focus on the opportunity they have this season. He's like, look, I've been around the NBA for a long time as a player and coach. I know when you have an opportunity to do something, we have an opportunity to do something. So um, it was, was pretty good. And the thing about, about them is, you know, it's not like they've sailed along merrily, you know, Booker missed a bunch of games with a hamstring issue. Aiton has been out for the last couple of weeks with an ankle issue. Cameron Payne has um, been in and out with injuries all season. Uh, Crowder has missed four games of this 10 game. Uh, Jay Crowder has missed four games of this 10 game stretch. Um, they have f- they have kept scrapping and, f- and finding ways t- uh, to get things done. They picked up a couple of guys during the season that have really helped them. We're going to talk about in a little bit. But um, when you're a top five offense and top five defensive team, you really have a lot going for you. And right. this team is just killer in the clutch because of Chris Paul and because of their versatile defensive players. Last night in this game, now the Spurs were down a couple of guys and it was a road game for them, but down the stretch of the game, the defensive maneuverability that the Suns had is just, it was a, it was a perfect illustration of how they got here. They, they have some defensive weapons, specifically Mikhail Bridges, who like made a steal? I don't think he got credit for the steal, but he and, and as I was watching, he got the steal and the block in the last um, couple of minutes, the last two minutes of the game. He is—he's not going to be an all-star. He probably should be, but he's not going to be an all-star. But he's going to be a, probably a first-team all-defensive player. Chris Paul will probably be a contender for a first-team all-defensive player. I don't know if Aiden will get that—that that nature, but Aiden is a contender for all-defensive team. And Devin Booker has improved a lot defensively. When you talk, when you look at this team, it's very easy to show the highlights of Booker hitting threes. And he hit two big threes that basically won them the game last night. That's definitely there. But their playmaking defensively has been awesome. And when you look at them, you start with their defense because that's where they've become so so uh, potent, I think. Yeah, and it's in Monty's DNA, too, uh, throughout his career uh, as a member of, of some great defensive teams on his time in San Antonio. He knows the defense wins championships in this league. Uh, And, and, you know, one of the things I think we don't do well enough in in NBA media is look back at multiple year over year improvements and understand changes over time uh, that that might not be as blatant as a, a winning streak like the Hawks are on right now, for instance. But the Phoenix Suns were not in good shape a few years ago. Uh, they had Devin Booker. Yeah, they drafted Aiton, but they were a mess. They've had so many coaches over the so many year period. Monty Williams and Chris Paul come in there. James Jones, too. 
and to stabilize it. But you said it, the defense is great. And our colleague Jalen Rose has a, has a term that I love to steal called basketball geometry. And when I think of the Suns on both sides of the court, Brian, God, they got, they got great basketball players at all five of those, almost the traditional five positions in the sport. Um, their wings, like you said, with Bridges, Jay Crowder, really solid sort of three and D type defenders. And then one of the things I think this team has done very well is in the interior. And I give credit to Monty and, and, and James for bringing in guys like JaVale McGee and of course, Bismarck Biombo. And we, we brought up that Aiton, their rock in the interior has improved greatly, but he missed time this year. Uh, and their ability to sort of substitute those eight minutes with guys like JaVale McGee and Bismack Biombo coming in uh, has really, they haven't missed a beat on defense. Usually if you miss your center, uh, your defense is questionable. Just ask the Utah Jazz, who have been the best defense in the league right. for years, but Gobert goes out and their defense suddenly is like a bottom 10 defense and just more respect to Gobert. But this Phoenix team just keeps on humming on defense despite missing that, that centerpiece. And of course, Chris is such a great on-floor leader on both ends of the court, Brian. Uh, I don't know where you stand on the Chris Paul for MVP discussion, but that's going to start getting some noise too if they remain this hot uh, and this excellent on both sides of the court. Yeah, the MVP race has gone from uh, Steph Curry being outright leader to being an absolute toss-up. It could go a bunch of different directions. We got the two centers. Yeah. Uh, obviously in Jokic and Embiid battling again as they did last year. And then, you know, Chris Paul just putting up just amazing numbers. I mean, this guy, he was salary dumped. <laughs> he was the worst contract in the league. <laughs> he was, was salary dumped. Yeah. You know, um, and he led the, the Thunder to the playoffs. And now he's led the Suns to the finals and he's going to get a real chance to win the title this year. So one of the things that good teams do is continue to develop players as season as the season goes along. And in the case of the Suns, I want to talk about this guy. He's a rookie, but he's not young. His name is Ish Wainwright. Okay. Ish Wainwright, I want to talk to you a little bit about him because unless you're a Suns fan, you probably don't know much about him. Now he I was with the Suns in in October. Um uh, Kirk and uh, I was basically sitting there waiting for our Robert store Robert Sarver story, Baxter Holmes Robert Sarver story to to publish. And I was with them for days on end, and the story didn't come and didn't come and didn't come. I didn't know when the story was running. I didn't even know what was in the story. It was an investigative piece, work were chopped out of it. So I'm going to these sons practices day after day, um, just you know, talking to people and killing time. And so it was like the second or third week of the season and the Suns sign this new two-way player, Ish Wainwright. And they bring him out to meet the media. And Kirk, I don't know if I've ever seen someone built like Ish Wainwright. His mm -hmm. shoulders, it's like... Dwight Howard shoulders? Dwight Howard, Phil Jackson, Rob Gronkowski, Ish Wainwright. <laughs> These are the most impressive shoulders I've ever seen. Ish Wainwright's shoulders. You almost think he's wearing shoulder pads. And there's, and that's not an accident because he was a football player and not just an average football player. So he comes out and, you know, he, he, as soon as, as soon as I met this guy, I had to know more about him. He played, he was with the bills. 
He played football and basketball at Baylor. Um, then actually played for the Bills. I don't think he ever made an active roster for a game. So I don't think, like, you know, I don't know if you could say he played in the NFL, but he was on the Bills roster. And then he got cut, and so his football career ended. I, he had to have been a linebacker. He's 6'6". He's built like a linebacker. Maybe he was a lineman. But I'll bet he was damn impressive in football pads too. <laughs> and um, so uh, he, he, he's, he, he plays for Mike Schmitz on the Ugandan national team. Our Mike Schmitz, yep. he's one of the assistant coaches of the Ugandan national team. And he, he plays for Uganda. And um, so he comes in as a two-way player. I guess he was with the Raptors in training camp and they cut him. So, um, so this is his rookie year. So they had an injury to DeAndre Ayton, and he's a 6'6 power forward, so he's undersized at power forward. But he's not undersized in the, in the strength or the width department. The man is an absolute mountain. And last night in the game, and, you know, again, this is one game, but he's been playing a lot for them. In fact, when you, looked at his, when you look at his um, net rating, he's the number one net rating guy for the Suns during this win streak, meaning – they outscored the opponent by more points per hundred possessions when he's in there versus anybody else. Now it's because he's playing with Chris Paul and Devin Booker, but my point is it's a very <laughs> positive impact. They had him play center in the fourth quarter. They were down like, I don't know, maybe eight, 12 points, something like that to start the fourth quarter of this game against the Suns. They put him at center and he plays small ball center down the stretch and just the Spurs get their offense shut off. And uh, late in the game, he's just pushing guys around. They had Jock Landale out there, and he's just uh, the, their, their center. Um, and he's just pushing he's just pushing him around. And so Wayne writes an interesting story. I don't know if this is just going to be a flash in the pan or whatever. He's a two-way guy. But <clears throat> this, is, this is how good teams get done. They found right. Ish Wainwright, you know, on the scrap heap. This is James Jones and his staff. They brought, Monty, they brought him in, and Monty Williams – and his coaching staff, um, you know, I know one of their developmental coaches is Jared Jack. He probably wasn't working with Ish. I think Jarrett works with the guards, but I just, you know, I know Jared from covering him over the years. I um, always good to see him. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavily on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Onyeho Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the hypnotic team. Every season is hypnotic and tequila season. Hypnotic liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. You can now stream the most MLB games on DirecTV without a satellite dish. Yes, catch the clutch hitch, strikeouts, grand salamis, web gems with nothing on your roof. So who's ever up there, whether it's the roofers, Santa, birds, old-timey chimney sweeps, moody teenagers, thrill-seeking raccoons, you name it, they won't find a satellite dish. But you will find your MLB games on DirecTV. That means DirecTV is your home for baseball this season. Root, root, root with nothing on your roof. Yes, stream your team. Call 1-800-DIRECTV or visit DirecTV.com. Sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. They develop this guy, and when they need him, they put him in the game, and they start using him at center, and it helps them win the game. 
And like, I know that it's really more about Mikhail. And that, by the way, they also signed uh, Biznek Biombo. Yeah, brilliant. In the, in the middle of the season, a guy who sort of washed out of the NBA. And he did so well as a hardship replacement player. They've signed him for the rest of the year. And Kirk, this is what good teams do, right? This I mean, what we've good seen, teams do. Yeah. We've seen over the years, of, since, since, since two-way players have come in, teams have had to do a little bit, you know, more like football teams. We had to, like, maybe assign a player in week five of the NFL that ends up being your starting cornerback in the playoff game. This is what the Suns are doing. They are developing during the season. And, you know, obviously Chris Paul and Devin Booker and Aiton and all those guys are going to be needed at the end. But um, this is what this is some of the stuff I've been impressed with the Suns with. Yeah, and you nailed it. And that's sort of my point about the year-over-year thing. It's the metamorphosis of the organization. This wasn't happening in Phoenix five years ago where they would get a free right. agent and it would be a disappointment almost all the time. Right. The teams that I associate with this concept of, man, they're just really good front offices, and they are, are like the old school Spurs, and they've been doing it for 20 years. Yep. But the Miami Heat, who you look at their roster, it's like, oh, where'd they find these guys? The, 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 these undrafted players are all their their rotation. Are killing. And Golden State, like Gary Payton this year. Andrew Wiggins yep. is an all-star now. It's like, oh, every <laughs> sort of transaction they make, these guys improve, uh, promote their ability. You're exactly right, Brian. That is a sign that is an indicator that you have a good organization with good bones. Uh, and that is sort of the under the surface, remarkable transformation at Phoenix. Uh, as I said, credit to James Jones, credit to Monty Williams and to Chris Paul, the leaders on the court uh, for helping find these guys like Ish Wainwright and getting them into the rotation and, and letting them thrive. You're exactly right. Wainwright set a career high, I think, last night in points and minutes uh, and helped them yeah. win a game. Yeah, he, he, he can shoot the three and, and he can play defensive center. Yeah, but that's exactly right. And I think that's a solid point about what's going on in Phoenix. It's just like they're sort of transitioning from a bad franchise to a good franchise in front of our eyes. Mentioned Andrew Wiggins real quick. So obviously pretty remarkable that um, Wiggins was voted as an all-star starter. There's a bunch of different things that happened for it to take place. But listen, he's an all-star starter. You can't take it away from him. Two things I got to say real quick before we move on to the Hawks. One, I got to eat crow. I mean, I already kind of did, but I really hated that trade at D'Angelo. I didn't hate him. I just didn't like the D'Angelo Russell trade that they made. Um, I didn't like that they gave up a first round pick to, to get D'Angelo Russell, which ended up not, tra- it ended up becoming a second. It didn't convey, but then they get D'Angelo Russell, and then they they take. I was like, man, they got to take on Wiggins. Um, you know, the pick ended up being a number two pick, which was Wiseman. So we'll have to see about that. But I wasn't sure about the pick when it happened. And then they get Andrew Wiggins, who I thought was a a toxic contract, a toxic right. asset in the deal. I was like, yeah, well, they're going to have to trade a pick to get rid of that contract. And instead, the guy's an all star. So you got to wonder if you're if you're a Timberwolves fan, how are you feeling about the fact that Zach Levine's going to be an all star this year? Carl Towns all likely to be an all star this year, and Andrew Wiggins is an all star. I mean, yeah, it, it, I don't know if it would have worked when they were together, but you, but it you makes you wonder. It does make you wonder. And I was just thinking, like, yeah, the the discourse around the NBA, whether you're in Minnesota or anybody. You brought up the point about Chris Paul's contract, which I think it's one of the sort of hilarious sort of blunders across NBA discourse in the last five years. Uh, and you didn't have – there weren't many people defending the Chris Paul contract five years ago. And now 
nobody laughs at him. And now he's, he's an MVP candidate and killing it. And Wiggins, same thing. Like the, the, the jury had found this man sort of guilty of being a bust, uh, at least, uh, you know, far and wide across the NBA landscape. And here he is starting the all-star game. It, it, to me, it goes back to the most underrated part of player development, which is the environment that these people find themselves in the vibe, the coaching, uh, the habits, the discipline. And if you put a great young player in one environment versus a great young player in a different environment, you're going to get a different result. Uh, and that's something I think that's happened uh, in, in Minnesota and some of these other organizations that just can't get the most out of their lottery picks year after year. So I, I think that's an interesting one. And Zach Levine is another great story in, in that regard. But ultimately, I think great organizations help make players the best versions of themselves, man. Yeah, there's an entire concept that NBA executives talk about. They, they call it the secondary draft. Mm-hmm. I wish I could tell you who sort of coined it because it was probably had been around a long time when I started hearing about it. But the idea is that, you know, you obviously draft the players the first time around. And then, you know, there's a certain percentage of them, it's not, it doesn't work out. And then these players become available in year two or year three on still on their rookie contracts. And some teams really look for those types of guys. Malik Monk, um, uh, Stanley Johnson, these types of guys. Who are, oh, yeah. maybe. Yeah. And then you find this diamond in the rough. The first person I heard say that was Chris Grant. Maybe you know him from the Cleveland days. But I, I don't know if he came up with it, the secondary draft. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Now he's with he's with the Spurs now. Um, the first guy who told me about it was uh, uh, Mark Warkentine, who uh, – uh, was with the with the Blazers for a couple of decades. Later, one executive of the year as a GM of the Nuggets. Um, just the concept of going and getting a guy in year two or year three who's still very raw, and sort of redrafting him, um, and you get him a lot cheaper. You know, if you, if you had to trade up to get him when he was, you know, the the sixteenth pick or the eighth pick, it's a lot harder. There's you know, there's a lot of success stories with that and a lot of failures. But like for example, the, Cam Reddish would be a classic. Right. <coughs> excuse me secondary draft guy um unfortunately the knicks aren't you know using the draft <laughs> they're kind of treating like the first draft because they're still not playing him um uh and but you know i i can't believe it's as simple as the hawks traded cam reddish and all of a sudden everybody was singing kumbaya and and they're and they're rolling um but you can't deny that they've been a completely different team since that trade. Now, the guy they got, Kevin Knox, he he's played in a few of the games of their seven-game win streak. I think he's got a cup of coffee in a couple of the games. He would technically be a secondary draft guy too, although you know he's going to be a free agent. I'm not sure he's going to stick around. Um, but the Hawks, they got uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich back from injury um, uh, shortly after um, Reddish got traded. That was obviously a factor. Um, they had um, a bit of a favorable schedule. I mean, most of these games have been at home. The only road game yeah. they've played in this win streak is um, is at Charlotte, which they won. Uh, but they beat the Bucks in there. They beat the Wolves, who've been playing very well. Uh, they beat the Celtics, who've been playing very well. And um, they came back against the Lakers. LeBron didn't play. He's got a knee injury. Uh, but the ultimate test will come against the Raptors or against the um, Suns, play the Raptors first, but the Suns on Thursday. But if you look at what's happened here, and let me just check the standings right now. So at the start of this, the Hawks were in 12th in the East, which is obviously 
way below even the play-in line. And for a team that's uh, in the luxury tax and spent a whole, I think he spent $450 million or something on their free agents and, and um, own players on new contracts in the offseason. Not what you wanted coming off the Eastern Conference. Well, they've won, like I said, seven in a row. Uh, they had lost. They'd been on a losing streak before that. Let's see how many in a row did they lose before that? They had lost uh, five, five, in, a row. five yeah. in a row. Yeah. So they were in 12th. They've gotten themselves up to 10th and they're only a game out of eighth. Um, they play the Raptors tonight. So the Raptors are in eighth as we speak. Um, so uh, a little bit of positioning battle there. Um, but what's happened as far as I can tell, Kirk, in the stretch, they've just started playing way better defense. They've been one of the top three or four offenses throughout the season. Trey Young's had another great year. He's an all-star starter, um, and rightly so. He's having arguably his best year, uh, even with the changes in the foul rules. (laughs) But defensively, they were – I checked this. At the start of this losing streak, they were 28th. Yep. And if you want to explain the difference between offense and defense in the NBA, regardless of where uh, the rules and everything are, um, you know, when this winning streak started, they were, uh, 17 and 25. So being number, they were number two in offense and still eight games under 500 because they were 28th in defense. Well, in the last seven games, in that stretch of all, of all the teams in the leagues, last seven games, they are sixth in defense. And, um, that can't all be cam reddish. You know, some of it is, uh, Oneka Okwangu has been has been back and playing good. He's a good defensive player, but what have you seen with the Hawks? It is, this is a, I mean, they hadn't, they had a win streak back in November where we thought they stabilized stuff, but this seems to have turned their season around this stretch. Yeah. Well, I'll stick with my year over year DNA for this point, but uh, you know, they, they kind of did this last year to an extent. Uh, There was a coaching change involved, but they weren't good in the first big chunk of last season. And then we wake up and they're in the conference finals. So there is a little bit of that in, in the Hawks. Like maybe they just turn it on. Maybe Trey Young is a second half team, but the main point you've already hit it. This defense was awful in the first half of the season. The only two worst defenses through 42 games were the Rockets and the Blazers. And they, they, those are really, really bad defenses. And they woke up on the morning of January 17th. Their season was half over. They were way under 500. They lost five straight, nine of their last 11. Uh, and you pointed out the nerd heard around the NBA. We knew why. This was the defense. They couldn't stop anyone. Yeah. And I do think Okongwu is one of the key points here. This guy, I think that win streak, Brian, didn't just start January 17th against the defending champs in Atlanta when they beat uh, the Milwaukee Bucks. I think it started at a precise moment in the fourth quarter. Giannis is backing down. The Hawks are clinging to a one-point lead with four minutes left. Giannis, like we've seen a million times, rises up and looks like he's going to put a two-handed dunk in and take the lead. And what happens? Okongwu, like very few men in this league have done, stuffs Giannis at the rim, causes a jump ball, and it changes the game. The Hawks go on to win that game. For me, that's a very poetic moment because, as you mentioned, this is a defensive story with Atlanta right now. In that moment, you just stuffed the finals MVP at his favorite spot in a way that I can't think of many other people have done in a high-leverage situation. The numbers and the eye test back up that Okongwu is a difference maker for the Atlanta Hawks, especially on defense. 
remember he didn't play until January. There's a few games he got in there, but he really didn't play Brian until right. January. And when he's been on the floor, when Okongwu has been out there and this is a second year player, a lottery pick, he is a phenomenal athlete. They have a defensive rating 105.5 in the 400 minutes. That's a lot of minutes that he's been out there. Uh, I think we have to allow for the possibility. This guy's a real difference maker for Atlanta. They have a tendency to be a second half team. That said, they're still 500. They're still in the 10th spot, and it's crowded in the East these days. It is crowded. So if you're sitting at 10, you're a playing team, obviously. You're, you're not in a great spot as a playing team. They have to, if they want to make noise, continue to play good defense and climb up into those top six spots. And then that begs the question, Brian, can they do that? Can they keep this defense up? Because that's the big thing here. Uh, and who do they knock out if they continue at this pace out of those top six spots? Because that is pretty crowded in those six guaranteed spots in the East right now. So Kongwu, yeah, we talked about on the podcast last week how how packed the Eastern top six is. And it's also packed in the in the play-in zone. So Kongwu, so he, he came out of USC. He was very high on some teams' boards. Um, who knows for sure, but, you know, the stories that go around the league are that the that the Warriors were really looking at him at for number two and that the Hornets like had decided we're taking Kwangu at number three, not LaMelo, but look a Kwangu. High school and teammates then, though, right? Him and LaMelo, that's part of the origin story. I believe I can't I can't keep track of I he was like the track. fourth ball brother in Chino Hills. I think he okay. was the, yeah, he okay. played with those guys in Los Angeles. So yeah, he comes from that group. Yeah, I can't keep track of uh, all of Lamelo's. Uh, uh, I know he was in he was in Cleveland for about three months or something at one point. Um, so then it comes out that he's got a, a foot injury. I can't remember if it was a broken foot or something like that. And you know, you're talking about a six eight six ten guy with a foot injury, and you're like, oh no. And so some teams backed off. I mean, he was. You know what people loved about him was his defense. He could guard four positions, maybe, maybe even five, depending. Yeah, he did go to Chino Hills. You're right. Um, that uh, you know that he could have. Uh, you know, he he was like the prototypical um, new age NBA big man. You know, um, can guard everybody on the floor, switch, uh, defend. Like this is the type of guy that that uh, that you want in this era. He's a he's a center who can guard wings. And kind of this foot injury, everybody was really scared of him. And so um, he slipped all the way down to six. And he, and so, you know, you could argue that, you know, that's why people keep, um, you know, John Collins name keeps popping up in, in trade rumors. Um, now I don't know if you do it. You're so hot. I, I, I don't know, but you know, it was popped up attached to Philly. It's popped up attached to uh, Dallas showing some interest in John Collins. And if you want to know why the Hawks might even entertain the concept of trading John Collins, it's because they've got this guy. I, I mean, now he's, he's been, um, you know, against the Lakers, he actually played setter the entire way down the stretch. They Capella was on the bench the entire fourth quarter. Um, and they really liked that lineup. Okwangu did a good, uh, Anthony Davis uh, had a big three quarters against, um, against uh, the Hawks on Sunday and Kwangu. I mean, I have to break down the film and have somebody like tell me, but I know that Anthony Davis only scored five points in the last quarter because of Kwangu in part because he was on him. So they may see a Kwangu as their sort of four or five along Capella alongside Capella for the future, which is one of the reasons why they're willing to discuss Jason Cutler, uh, um, John Collins, discuss, discuss John Collins. 
I don't know. I'm I'm making a, I'm a bit of a guess there, but like this guy's gonna have to play because he is a part of uh, their success. And I I don't know what, what you would do in that situation, but you know they just signed Collins to a 125 million dollar deal. Um, they obviously believe in him, but when they drafted him, they they thought that they meant you know they extended Capella. They they signed them both, but I I, I think they got to see this guy as a starter. Um, you know, mid to mid to long term. Yeah, I agree with that. And what he's doing on the court, I mean, it's not just that Giannis moment. I, I think in that big Minnesota win you talked about, he had five block shots. Uh, he can yeah. rebound. He can guard multiple positions. He's willing. He's talented. Uh, and as we've seen with Evan Mobley in Cleveland, like young interior defenders that have versatility and skill like that can change the fate of your organization. And, and this organization's fate without him has been very limited because of its terrible defense, as we've established. You're not going anywhere as the 28th-ranked defense in the NBA. Uh, that's one thing the stats era has taught us, right? Those, those teams don't go anywhere, Brian. Uh, top 10 defenses, yeah, they go, they go places. Right. So what I see him with his ceiling is, okay, we know Trey Young is in charge of the offense, and we know that's going to be a top-five offense because that's how talented he is. So that makes the team building conversation in Atlanta. Okay. How do we build a top 10 defense? And this guy could be a keystone of that process uh, in a way that John Collins can't be uh, no disrespect to John Collins. He's a phenomenal player, but just as a defensive potential and the numbers back it up, this guy could be the foundation of making the Atlanta Hawks something they haven't been for the last few years, Brian, which is a two way team. Uh, and just look at this win streak for proof of that. Yeah. And, and, you know, I'm not sure they trade Collins now. Um, maybe they need to see a Kongu a little bit more to convince themselves of that. Yeah. But that is, that is, that is what this is leading toward. I believe it's his emergence. I have to say though, Trey young has been great during this win streak. Um, he shot, he shot the three pointer really well. You know, he's yeah, that one he hit in West on that Lakers game. Sorry to interrupt you. That he hit yeah. it, it, just crunch time in Russell Westbrook's face. And he did yeah. his, his classic shivering motion. Uh, that's cold blooded. <laughs> yeah, he's 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 in a phenomenal score in the clutch, too. Yeah, you know, I did a, I talked to him uh last month about you know how he was handling the the fouls, the foul stuff, uh, the changes in the fouls, and you know, he's he, you know, he, I don't, I talked to him and Harden for the story. Harden seemed like he was in a much better place with it. Um, you know, from what I understand, Harden basically sent some stuff into the league and, um, and, uh, um, you know, complained about, you know, he's like, you know, this, this, and this, and the league got back to him and said, you know what, James, you're right about that. And we're going to let our officials know. And I think whether or not they changed it or not, even though Harden's been chirping about it recently, I think Harden was like, well, at least they listened to me. And there was interaction. I, you know, I think Trey Young was more accepting as opposed to it. But the point is, um, Trey is in this, in this win streak is right back to where he was in terms of getting the line. You know, he, he was, he was getting the line about two and a half times less per game than he did a year ago and about three times less than he did per game two years ago. Well, during this win streak, he's getting back to the line uh, eight times a game, right where he was last year. So um, it's definitely improved there. And so, 
you know, when he's able to have his, you know, he's hitting the three at over 40%, 42% in this win streak. He's hitting the long three. He's assisting. Let's see how many assists he's averaging. Cause I know he had. He's 9.3 on the year. I don't know what it is on the street, on the street. He ranks third in the league bone behind only Chris yeah. Paul and Harden right. assists. Yeah. He's averaging a nine during the streak. Um, so definitely getting it done. Uh, Hawks getting it done. So uh, watch out there. And I mean, maybe they do. I mean, they obviously tried to trade for for Simmons. Um, we'll see if they do some 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 other move. They've already made the one move with Reddish, who continues not to play. <laughs> um, before before we go, Kirk, you know, you used to work for the Spurs. How many years did you? How many seasons did you work for the Spurs? Three full seasons, Brian. Uh, in the Spurs front office. Um, so I want you to know what you think of this. So right now uh, in international soccer, you know, I, I, a, we, we always talk about international soccer here. Um, it's the transfer window. Right now the teams are all dispersed across the um, world for their World Cup qualifiers. And so while, the, while they're dispersed, their teams make moves and there's all kinds of trading going on between the teams in Europe right now. But one of the things that they do in European soccer and I see that every morning right now when I wake up, I see all these things always reported, is they loan players for the rest of the season. So this is essentially the soccer trade deadline. And they sometimes they loan the players and then eventually trade them. But they loan them. And sometimes it's to lesser division teams or they'll loan them outside of the, of the country. But sometimes they loan them to a team in their own you know, division, in their own country. And I've wondered about this. Wouldn't it be great if the NBA could come up with a loan system um, for players um, so that like, you know, for example, like the, the Rockets can't trade John Wall, but what if they could loan him to somebody for the rest of the season, that team pay his salary for the rest of the season. And then at the end of the season, if that worked out, then they could execute a trade. You know, or some team that was over the luxury tax but wasn't playing their eleventh man could loan him to another team. I guess you'd be afraid that the guy would come back and beat you in the playoffs. But, <laughs> but, but like, I think this would be a fascinating thing for to have in the NBA. It would change the dynamic of things, especially if you can get the player back. If you just say, "I'm gonna, you know, you know, I'm gonna offload some money." Uh, like, 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 imagine if the if the um if the thunder could lend Lou Dort to somebody right. and get like a first round pick for it or something, or, or, you know, a second round pick for it. Like imagine how that could change things. I mean, this would be, I don't know. I mean, considering the NBA loves transactions and considering there's all kinds of stuff teams do to save money and whatever. Vivid seats wants you to get to the games you love this spring experience, every pitch assist and game winning shot live and in person. And the best part each transaction is a step toward a free 11th ticket with Vivid Seat Rewards. Score unbeatable perks like free tickets, surprise seat upgrades, and annual birthday deals. As official ticketing partner of ESPN, Vivid Seats is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code HOOP. That's code HOOP, H-O-O-P. Visit vividseats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats, experience it live. If only starting your fitness journey was as easy as starting this podcast. The truth is all the lift big, get big, and beach body ready in three weeks pressure stops most of us from even starting. 
and starting is what matters most. It's everything. Wherever you're beginning and wherever you want to be, Peloton encourages you to just start with thousands of classes to get you moving and doing what you can. Even if that's just a 10-minute low-impact class, they have those too. And when you're ready, take it up a gear with a 30-minute live DJ ride. Start with Peloton and find instructors that will keep you motivated to stay on your fitness journey. Learn the basics and build from there. Remember, doing something is everything. Get started with a Peloton bike or Bike Plus rental at onepeloton.com slash bike slash rentals. Terms apply. You think I'm crazy about about this concept in the NBA? What do you think? Well, I think European soccer proves that you're not. I think, you know, one of my favorite ideas is that European sports are capitalistic and American sports are socialistic. And we have a really hard set of rules to to navigate in American sports that that are designed to to keep parity in place uh, in leagues like the NBA. And, And one of the things that is hard right now, and I had a piece about this last year about team building in the NBA, is it's just easier for some teams than it is for others. If you're Sam Presti in Oklahoma City, it's harder to build a champion than if you're Rob right. Blanca in Los Angeles. <laughs> right. So one of the things with all due respect the, to Magic Johnson, it wasn't <laughs> like he he went to LeBron and, and like gave him this incredible pitch about coming to play for the Lakers. I mean, yeah. They won yeah. the title because LeBron wanted to be in LA. And by the way, the Cavs won the title because LeBron wanted to be in Cleveland. It wasn't like they put on some great pitch either. <laughs> right. And so the players make huge amounts of difference. So my question with this process, like Lou Dort's a great example. Lou Dort would help every contender right now. Um, but would he and, go and to the Milwaukee? Thunder would get him back? He'd yes. get him back. Just but go how play would, up there. <laughs> would, wouldn't Lou just went, hey, I'm gonna go to Miami too? That sounds like a great place to spend my spring. And uh, or would, would Lou go, go to a team like uh, I don't well, know, the Denver th- Nuggets or a smaller market? I think market when it's alone, I think some of the players contractually can turn it down in Europe. Okay. So like maybe Lou Dort says, yeah, I actually, I want to go play for Eric Spolster. I don't want to go play for team X. Yeah. I'm, I'm all into it. And, and I had a, one front office guy uh, just talk about sort of zooming out on this context on this season. And one of the cool things that's happened this season that the NBA should sort of learn from is we've seen a lot of new opportunities for players uh, because of, a crappy COVID situation, Brian, like, yeah, for sure. Like we're seeing Stanley Johnson, who I said earlier, like, this is great. Stanley's back in the league and and the league isn't an efficient marketplace necessarily. Uh, they had, by the way, the Lakers, did find, the Lakers did find Alex Caruso. It looks like they, the guy they found in Austin Reeves has a decent chance of being a real player going forward. Stanley Johnson, like Malik Monk, you mentioned, like the Lakers, I make a joke about LeBron, but you know, the Lakers have done a decent job with that as well. No, I agree. And, and some of the, the, their hand was forced a little bit with Stanley. And, 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 right. and then you look at Bismack Biombo too. It's like, why were these guys, Lance Stevenson, wait, why weren't these guys playing last year? Right. And if it weren't for an awful pandemic that has just annoyed and, and destroyed a lot of things over the last few years, if it weren't for that, what would Lance be doing? What would Stanley be doing? What would Bismack be doing? So I, I think it's interesting that when we see, and this is sort of a theme of our conversation today, when we see players get a chance in a different environment, we can see the light come on in a different way. Well, we or, talked about what happened with Chris Paul. Now, I'm not saying that John Wall would go somewhere right. and have the impact like in the middle of the season. But if if the, if the Rockets, like I just was reading, a, a, the team that I follow is Tottenham Hotspur. They Borrowed, you know, they agreed on a loan from a guy from a team in Italy. And if they like the guy 
at the end of the season, they can purchase his rights for 33 million pounds. I mean, it was 33 million euros. I can't remember which. Yeah. They don't like the guy that can send him back. Now, this, they're probably going to buy him. That's neither here nor there. Imagine if a team could borrow John Wall for some sort of consideration, probably just mm-hmm. paying his salary. Yeah. And then John Wall all of a sudden looks great. And then at the end of the season, maybe they could work something out. Yeah, that's um, that, you know, there's a class of players, Brian, where I think you're hitting it. I think it's it's the John Walls, or not this year, but previous years, Kevin Love, where he's just sitting there right. on a bench. Exactly. Because his contract's a big number and his, his production might not match it. But, geez, that's Kevin Love over there. Like, we've seen him win a title. Like, why isn't he even I just – guys sitting on the bench and not playing and making yeah. a lot of money, I, I, obviously they're always going to have guys who are not playing. But – giving those guys an opportunity to increase their own worth and continue to play. I can't see how that's not a win-win. It's good for the product. The questions from the league and the owners have got to be, does this prevent an unfair advantage? If if the Lakers suddenly get John Wall or Kevin Love last year or whatever, and it plugs a big hole that that they And that's the stuff in, in England, like certain teams know that we're a farm system for the London clubs and they just accept it. And if they finish, 11th or 8th or whatever like hey we had a great year uh it's kind of like the formula one thing it's kind of the same kind of mentality but that's a longer conversation for a different time hey kirk thanks for uh coming on to the hoop collective thanks to jackson our producer thanks for listening everybody we will uh keep an eye on the hawks and keep an eye on the suns and talk to you guys later this week